Welcome to the Golden Age Podcast. We firmly believe that in spite of all this chaos and confusion in this world, there's actually a very bright future ahead of us. And the more the heart of humanity awakens and we remember our true essence, that we're going to co-create a beautiful new world together. And the purpose of this podcast is to have conversations with inspiring individuals who are contributing to the building of this new world. And I'm very happy to be here today with my friend Sanan, who I met in Peru, I think, already 12 years ago in a very magical place called the Sacred Valley of the Andes, a little town called Pisac. And Sanan is running a small but growing and very inspired NGO called Amistad Sagrada, who's working with the local indigenous communities to preserve their ancient wisdom and their ancient ways of life and by supporting them at the same time with many infrastructure and educational projects that Sanan is hopefully going to tell us more about now. So welcome, Sanan. I'm very Stefan, happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I was always inspired to meet and see you in PSEC because I can really feel how much love and authenticity you put in all of your work and how with little resources you managed to actually create very beautiful projects. So to start with, maybe tell us a little bit about what is Amistad Sagrada and what are you doing in the Sacred Valley of the Andes? Well, Amistad Sagrada means sacred friendship. And so I've been here for 13 years, left the US in 2009 to come and do this. And um, how that sacred friendship was built is by living within the Pueblo and uh, receiving this vision to do this work of service. And through sunshine and rain and storms and positive times and challenging times, no matter what arose within or without, um, to continue. So it's been a journey of personal growth as well as the growth of our projects. And uh, basically what started it all, I came here and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I did a medicine ceremony. Yes. Uh, which is legal here in Peru. And in that ceremony, I was guided that my life path was going to be of being in service to the children of the Andes. So immediately after that happened, uh, the, the children started coming around. I didn't even say anything. They just started coming as if they knew. And I was like, what are we going to do? So I bought some art supplies and some of the older girls would manage the art classes. And then we, I bought a bunch of fruit and we made big fruit salads. And, you know, that was almost 13 years ago. And it just kind of grew from there. And now we have classes here in PSAC six days a week and we have art and music and Andean culture and science and math and handicrafts and what else we have help with their homework we have yoga we have quechua and we have english and Basically, that's been free for the last five years. And then uh, a few months ago, we started asking 24 soles a month. And that includes all the materials and mm, fruit, fruit or a natural snack every day and all the classes, which comes to about mm, less than one soul per day which is comes to about 20, 30 cents a day, pretty much 32 cents a day US. And the reason why we did that was just to 
mm, confirm the value that they were a little little bit invested. You know, our our yeah. cost per student is quite a bit more than that. But um, so you know, we're pretty packed every day. Our classes start in 15 minutes, so the kids will start coming in to the school. And so that's going on. We have, you know, a very positive response and the parents are very happy and the kids are happy and we have great teachers. All our teachers are local people and except for a volunteer now and then. And then our bigger project is actually in one of the mountain communities called Pampayacta. And we've been working there for some years. This is really high up, right? Well, about it's about it's about 40 minutes uh, from PSAC and it's pretty high up. It's pretty cold up there. It's, uh, you know, some somewhat pretty isolated in, in some ways. And Pampayat is one of the 12 mountain uh, mountain high altitude communities of PSAC. And our big project there is a model cultural project that has kind of evolved over the last years. And right now, as we're finishing the construction of it, we have classes every Sunday, six and a half hours of classes, pretty much the same classes we have here in PSAC. And very well attended. And um, that project is really our mm, uh, our biggest, most um, most uh, expansive and unique project that we're doing. <clears throat> and I could talk more about that as well at any time. I'm really inspired about how you're managing and creating this. Because as you shared, like how it started just with some art classes and some fruit salad. And now it has grown into such a quite complex like organization that's doing so many little projects. And with all of these little projects, you're also inspiring people who are working in these projects. Mm -hmm. And how much impact it has on the local community, but also on people who are passing through or who are getting touched, but just by witnessing the work that you're doing. So while I was li living in PSAC, I was always impressed how, well, I was more part of the gringo community, the, the foreign community, that you were really, you were totally involved in the local community, working with them and doing, basically creating new projects nearly weekly or daily. <laughs> and just out of your inspiration and the calling of your heart. And I know that you didn't start this with a lot of resources, right? <laughs> No. You basically just started because you, you felt the calling to start this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been quite a quite a miracle. Um, one aspect is that PSAC is really a hub of spiritual tourism. All kinds of tourism, but including mm, different healing and therapeutic and medicinal modalities. And it was such, it's such a business kind of vortex in that way that I kind of polarized from it. And even though I came from Northern California and Southern Oregon for 25 years and was really immersed in, you could call it mm, new age and very trendy, Uh, spiritual and holistic lifestyles. When I came here, I really have not uh, at all <laughs> um, participated with any of what was my life for several decades before I came here and just lived in the Pueblo, not with the bubble of expats and spiritual tourists and realized that I almost didn't want to do business because I wanted to be something different here. And, you know, that had its, as has had its beautiful aspects and it's also had its challenging aspects as well because on the level of cash flow and how we were going to fund things, 
basically by uh, showing our work on Facebook, which is the only social media we're on, and um, demonstrating our progress and what our vision is and what our philosophy is, and most of all, uh, photos of the beautiful people that are our friends and neighbors, and inviting people to help us, sometimes begging people to help us. And so we got donations for, uh, for many, many years, most of the time. And also what money I had and what Bitcoin I had at the time, I sold and used. And then <laughs> um, I got some loans from friends. And at a certain point, specifically when uh, COVID started, uh, donations just dropped. <laughs> and, you know, people were more in survival mode. And, and so I realized that I had to continue getting loans for, for the time being. And by incredible grace, we've made it this far. Really the grace of people who knew me or met me or came by to see our project or followed me on Facebook and connected with the vision and the purpose and the intention and the practical manifestation of what we were doing and felt called to respond. And so if any of those are watching, thank you from the bottom of my heart. We couldn't have done this without you. I know that there's a lot of gratitude in you for all these donations you receive, but I think you're actually also offering everybody who donates to Amistad Sagrada a really beautiful opportunity. I don't know many organizations like yours that I could wholeheartedly like donate money to and know that every dollar really has so much impact. And I think that's a beauty in places like Peru and also like an organization like yours to know that it really makes a difference that every donation you receive really makes a difference. And I think this is really fulfilling for people also who can support um, organization like, organizations like yours as well. And actually, and I didn't plan this, <laughs> I also feel inspired. Um, so my, my palm leaf, which is the organization who's also producing this podcast, would also like to donate $200 to Amistad Sagrada this month. And thank you very much for giving us <laughs> the opportunity to support you. Uh, I think it's so important to have people like you who are doing this work on the ground, to have this inspiration, to have this power and to follow your heart. And it's, it, thank you so much. <laughs> really, we wholeheartedly would love to support you in this. And with this in mind, I also want to ask you please share a little bit like about the courage of following your heart because you just jumped in fully jumped in and many people you know they're like they need the safety before they can take some steps but how is it for you to just follow your heart and give your whole life to the service this was really a spiritual uh journey for me and still is and when i did that medicine ceremony my last time of ayahuasca um, it was a very uh, difficult and challenging and painful uh, ceremony and i was really in a very humble humble uh, state and i didn't know what i was going to do with my life with my energy with you know what i was here to do And so it was kind of given to me as a gift. And so I just took it, took it to heart. I just trusted it. And even though I had no idea 
what it was going to grow into, how I was going to fund it, what I was even going to do. But I just accepted it as the message from Great Spirit. And so it hasn't been easy. It's been uh, ups and downs and personal challenges and it's been very real <laughs> and very raw. And being, a, being in another culture and learning a new language, Spanish, and, you know, this culture is like a different planet than where I came from. So I had a lot of work to do and I still do. <laughs> And that included letting go of a lot of concepts and patterns and belief systems and expectations and just a whole full spectrum of conditioning that I had in order to connect with the Pueblo. So a lot of this has been about my own inner work and uh, that hasn't been always easy, <laughs> as it often isn't. And also, just my life amongst the local people and making those connections and, and allowing myself to be authentic and, and, and having life be fun and realizing, you know, what little gifts that I have that I can share. And so the idea from the very beginning was that I was to create connectivity, social connectivity with all levels of society here over time, many years, over a decade now. And that social connectivity was going to be the foundation of our work. In other words, I had to build trust and love. Amistad Sagrada is sacred friendship. And, you know, even though there's hundreds of expats and thousands of spiritual travelers here, um, I have a unique relationship in PSAC. And that's because I've gone through the storms and the rainy days and the sunny days and through it all have maintained no matter what I'm going through, no matter what challenges my organization was going through that I've, I've persevered and so that perseverance creates a little bit of character and a lot of personal growth and something that transcends the fluctuations and um, the the ocean waves so to speak of my personal journey and so no matter what's going on on the relative plane, that I just continued on. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's due to my mother who instilled in me this faith that I can do it. And so no matter, no matter what was happening, I just continued on and took the hits and the challenges and overcame them and was really nourished the whole time by the local people, especially the children in our school, who would reflect back to me that purity and innocence and joy and, and just life force that they embody and the elders and the adults, you know, everyone that would reflect back to me the love and gratitude and, you know, the presence that sometimes I was lacking. And that in inspired me to continue no matter what. And the nourishment that I got cycled back to me from the dedication and this, the offerings of our practical uh, projects, uh, you know, and that really is what's nourished me and kept me going. 
Mm, I understand. <laughs> yes, it's so deeply nourishing to just be in service, no? It's like yeah. And you know, as you were mentioning before, as far as like people supporting us, we are very grassroots, and so you know, a lot of these big NGOs. We're actually not an NGO officially. We're just a nonprofit service organization. And mm -hmm. in truth, we're less than nonprofit. We're actually <laughs> in debt. <laughs> and so, but, you know, to participate in something like what we're doing, which is very authentic and very real world and, you know, we are, um, we're not like, you know, a big organization with getting people here think that if you're an NGO, that you're getting like money sent every month by some <laughs> big mega corporation or organization. And that's, that's not us. Um, but by people participating with us during these years, they have also received the blessings or the good karma or, you know, the ben benediction of participating with this. And so, you know, it is, we are very grateful to those who have supported us. And uh, it's amazing we've made it this far and we're just, we're just getting going actually at this point. And one thing I wanted to ask you, so the title of our podcast is Golden Age, the bright future of this planet that we all feel in our heart, hopefully will arrive one day. And how would you say that the ancient culture of the Andes, which is such a rich culture, and also the work that you're doing, can contribute to the awakening of the heart of humanity and to the building of a new world? How do you see like the culture of the Andes supporting the blossoming of our world? That's a really incredible question. Well, especially in these times, which, is, which are filled with so much concern and stress and oftentimes fear and sometimes pessimism. That's an incredible question. <laughs> and I really love it because um, it, it brings inherent optimism just in the question. And so, you know, I think that in answer to that question, you know, we often talk about the first world. We talk about the first world and the third world and, you know, developing countries, etc. And I think what a lot of us are realizing is that, you know, our future and the beautiful future that we pray for and that we hope to embody and work towards is really a returning to more what has been modeled by traditional indigenous cultures. Yes. Uh, not only here in Peru, but really everywhere. And that a lot of the first world and the conditioning that many of us, myself certainly included, that we have inculcated throughout our life has really been kind of like layers, um, you know, covering our real selves. And the natural way of being that the indigenous people and often the third world people have never really left yet. So when I hear like developing countries, you know, I often think like, well, what are they developing toward, you know, the dysfunctions of the first <laughs> world? You know, it's like, maybe it's more about um, de-developing in a certain way as far as our conditioning and our, you know, overt materialism or maybe our, <clears throat> excuse me, 
our, you know, priorities being a little bit skewed and distracted from this simple, inherently beautiful, inherently, you know, healthy and wholesome lives that the indigenous people have for a millennium been living. And so since they aren't in many ways, and I wanna also acknowledge uh, not to put them on a pedestal either because there are problems also within yes. third world and you know even indigenous cultures trying to survive in these modern times but that they they never left you know a lot of that wholesomeness and goodness and inherent natural um beingness that they've been existing with for you know hundreds or thousands of years so they're still still reflecting back there's reflecting back to us you know something that's a little bit more um essential or less conditioned and really showing a model like it's really ironic that like you know many many times people have said to me local people ah sanan i want to go to the united states i want <laughs> to go to california to work and because i've seen how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is and <laughs> with all respect and i still love the us and i love california and oregon where i spent the last few decades of my life before i left there um i would tell them that it's really ironic because all the people i know <laughs> want to you know <laughs> le leave the the cities and start eco villages and grow their own food and have their own houses and animals and you know bring their own culture you know whatever that might be and live more simply on the land and they would say yes but california and i'm like no <laughs> actually you already have the true prosperity and yes the true wealth and what the world is looking for and so what i realized is that and i've had this conversation with many of my friends well what is true wealth and what is true prosperity and is it really following an image that we see on television or in movies or you know maybe they see the tourists and they project a certain you know lifestyle but what i've realized i kind of knew it all along but now i really get it is that having our own land and our own water and our own food and our friends and our homes and living a simple life in harmony with nature in community with families without all of the excess conditioning and and materialism and programming and and you know living up to the joneses or you know any kind of model that we are fed by the media you know that's what's gotten us so messed up and yes you know the process of returning to our natural state and and our natural lifestyle is more of about deconstructing and peeling off the layers and healing our trauma and letting go of our conditioning and our fears that we might not even know that we carry and doing that kind of inner work and then being on land with our beloveds, our friends, 
and growing our gardens and building our homes and realizing the natural joy and happiness and wellness of the simple things. It's like in the first world, often we're chasing what we think will bring us happiness in the future. And it's always ephemeral. It's always out of reach. And then we're just locked into a treadmill of endlessly trying to find happiness when what we really need to do is deconstruct the illusions and the toxins and the layers of falsity within ourselves. And so being in a country like Peru, <clears throat> it's being in an environment and with people, with people that are, you know, a lot more simple in a good way and don't have these levels of conditioning. So it gives us an opportunity to, even though it's a little bit painful at times, to realize how far we may have strayed from our natural being and our natural lifestyle. It is an incredible gift to see a, a, a reflection of more purity and not perfection because, you know, we're human and we all have our issues and even the indigenous and third world people, you know, there's, there's first world contaminations, you know, coming here and, you know, even in the last 12 years, I've seen that a lot. And so knowing how precious the simple essential life on Pachamama and how valuable family and community and, you know, being connected with the source of our food and, and our water and, and the earth is, and coming from that very trendy, very contaminated, very conditioned first world, even spiritual community that I came from, and seeing how, how much it's lost its way in so many levels and how beautiful the indigenous people are. And even though in some ways, they, many of them have also lost their way. Yes, and but there's essence present, right? What is that? There's still some essence there. The spirit is still very present. <clears throat> right. And also that in many ways, just like in many countries, the indigenous people have become assimilated and the yes. third world, so to speak, people are aspiring toward what will take them further away, not closer <laughs> to their roots. And we are at kind of a, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a sensitive time in human history. So coming from the first world and experiencing that and now really celebrating and appreciating so deeply the indigenous people here. And this is one of the last indigenous populations here in Peru and others in South America that are living on their own land, speaking their native indigenous language. Here it's Quechua and eating their traditional food and raising their animals and living in community. I mean, that is a, that is a precious, precious thing that really deserves our love and support um, so that there is not just a remnant, but a thriving uh, community to maintain the original ways of Pachamama as the world uh, kind of loses its way in many ways. No judgment, just perception. Yeah. And um, so there's another aspect too that I wanted to share. <clears throat> And that is 
I've been really almost fanatic and very um, devoted to not participating in any level of contamination or, you know, uh, any kind of negative effect for the indigenous people to the point where originally, you know, I didn't even want to teach English. I mm. mean, I was like, no, we <laughs> can teach a lot of things, but we're not going to teach English. And that might seem a little strange because, you know, they wanted, that was the first thing, the most they important to learn thing. English, no? And connect with the Western world. Exactly, exactly. And the reason why I didn't, why I, I really hesitated and was so reluctant to teach English is this. Every language is not just a different language, but it's a whole reality framework. It's a whole belief system. The words and how the language is used creates a whole perspective and vision of life and reality and values and priorities inherent in the words and the way the, the language is used. And the Spanish language is very different, especially the version of it that's used in my village, which is very sweet and very personal and very love and spirit filled. And it creates a different world by speaking it, especially the village form of Spanish, you know, mm -hmm. there's different levels. It's very sweet. It's very, it's very endearing. It's very, you know, it's very wonderful. And to teach them English would be bringing in a whole different framework of reality, which I really was not into. I mean, I was against it. The first years we didn't speak, we didn't teach English. We taught their native language Quechua and, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of art and handicrafts and weaving and all kinds of really cool stuff. And what they wanted the English for was mostly for economic development, yes. <laughs> for speaking with the tourists and connecting with, you know, the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of international travelers that come here to PSAP. So as time went on, we did start teaching English because then I realized, well, it's a good intention what I'm thinking and not wanting to teach English for those reasons, but they want it. And so I really didn't want to, you know, I want it to be of service. And if they want that, and there is a lot of tourism here, then okay. You know, at a certain point, I realized, no, I'm not going to get in the way of what their what their desire is. Also, because you work about bridging, right? <clears throat> the, Say it again. I think your work is also about being a bridge between the ancient indigenous community and the modern world and trying to bring the best parts of both together. <laughs> Well, yes, in, in, a certain, in a certain way, a bridge, but without contaminating their culture. And so, uh, you know, a lot's happened during the pandemic and a lot of realizations have come. And one of those realizations is that the indigenous people here were not living exactly as they are now. 500 or a thousand or thousands of years ago and that how they've uh, adapted and uh, become one of the last remaining indigenous cultures as I mentioned is by adapting and not not allowing contaminations but um, incorporating things that would ensure their thriving and survival. So in our philosophy and our approach, we include and welcome 
what I call transparent technologies. And what I mean by that is that things that can be incorporated that may not be traditionally part of the Andean culture, but support them in their wellness and their thriving and their ability to adapt and really successfully maintain, maintain their culture and increase their, their, their lives, their positive lives. I mean, we have a tendency sometimes to put them in like a box, like it's a museum, like yes. <laughs> we can put them on a pedestal because, you know, they are with maintaining their traditional ways. But the reality is that there's also some suffering there. There's malnutrition. There's lack of infrastructure. There's, you know, relying on modern pharmaceutical medicines and often slowly abandoning their traditional medicines. Being in such a place that's so rich of natural medicine. Exactly. <laughs> and also, like, you know, they, they've incorporated a lot of, the, they still eat their natural diet, but they also incorporated a lot of things that aren't part of their natural diet. Yes. And so it's very possible that their health has gone down over the years, like many in the world. And so our idea is, for instance, greenhouses. Now, because of climate change, uh, the soil has changed. Their ability to grow their crops has diminished. And <clears throat> there's a value, for in, as an example, of incorporating greenhouses with controlled environments and vertical hydroponic growing where they are purchasing vegetables, unorganic vegetables in the market here in PSAC when they could be growing their own. Now and it's such they, a place, right? So rich and fertile to say good valley. Yeah, absolutely. So part of our project in the mountain communities is incorporating some of these transparent technologies and creating food sustainability and cultural sustainability and enrichment where building out um, a huge um, Maloka temple, um, what do you call it, kind of a, a round adobe structure, which will be the base of our projects in the community. We're going to have a museum of the community, and we're going to have hot showers. I mean, it's icy cold up there, and, you know, It's a hot shower is worth a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, that's not Andean either, but, you know, we can adapt. We, we can be a little bit flexible, but our focus is making sure that there's no philosophical or religious or conceptual framework that would try to change their, you know, Andean foundation at all. And so I am fanatic about that, just like I didn't want to teach English. We don't want to bring in anything that would contaminate in any way. But evolution is part of life. And even though hot showers and greenhouses and like that aren't part of the end, it doesn't have any negative effect and it only no. has positive evolutions. And so we're going to have, you know, uh, animal in, increased animal production. And, you know, obviously they're not vegetarians. And so we respect, you know, what they, their lifestyle. And um, we are also going to have an oven 
a communal oven where we make big whole grain uh, breads made from their local tubers and grains. Uh, very healthy and so they can enjoy that and that we can we have classes right now going every Sunday. We had them yesterday and those will move from the community from the community center into our own structure in some months when we complete it. And the idea includes an idea and a unique focus because there are other NGOs that focus on raising money to send the youth to universities. And that's not our approach. Um, no, nothing against universities or higher education. As a matter of fact, we're for that. But the youth are like the gold of the community. And when they send their youth and teenagers out to the cities or to Lima, which is not the same environment as the Sacred Valley, obviously. And we work preserving the ancient culture, right? So to enrich their, their life circumstances where they are, in the villages, in the Sacred Valley. Exactly, exactly. So our focus isn't uh, encouraging them to send their youth to a university in some city from their beautiful indigenous community with a goal of studying for years to get a certificate to start a, a practice or a business to make some money with the convoluted end game, end goal of being able to send money back to their families uh, in some, maybe, in some years down the road, which is a long way home, and many of those youth may not even end up returning to their community. So our goal is very, very different than that. Our goal is training, training up the youth in skill sets and creating such a reemergence and an expanded level of health and wellness and infrastructure and opportunity and education and music and recreation and you know increase upgrade their lifestyle because while we may put them in a museum and idealize them they have just as much right as anyone else to evolve their communities with better infrastructure and more food and you know annihilating malnutrition and reaffirming their traditional culture and you know all of these things which bring joy and purpose to them and create such a culture of thriving that the youth will want to stay in their community and our idea our vision our hope is to be able to bring in master teachers to train the youth in different skill sets, whether that's or a natural building or, or greenhouse production or increased uh, food production or teaching or natural medicine production, or maybe um, creating wooden furniture and even businesses that could be, uh, you know, interfaced with the tourists or the outside world possibly online as well, which we could assist with. And so that the youth, the gold of the community can stay in the community and work toward uplifting their own communities. And apart from that, oh, just one example, you know, a lot of the houses don't have chimneys in their, in their yeah. ovens. So their houses, not all, but many, are like full of smoke all day with babies and children and elders, which is obviously not healthy. And so, you know, upgrading that to chimneys and better quality stoves and... So easy to know. do, right? But it just needs the right mindset and the resources also. Yeah. yeah. And, and so uh, it's, and it's a collaboration so in that we... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just a collaboration in that we bring our own... Ex 
our own experience and perceptions, and they have their own desires and and needs and goals. And we kind of work together to see how we can, you know, do the best possible we can in in this short amount of time. Sanan, I think it's so beautiful what you're doing and so inspiring. And seeing it in person, like I did a few times when I was living in PSEC, makes it even much more tangible. And I also want to inspire people that might come to Peru to visit you and see your work in person and see directly how much impact is done with actually very little resources. And I think many people might feel an impulse to learn more about your work and to support you as well. And please let us know, how can we find out more about your work? Do you have a website? Yes, our website is Amistad Sagrada, A-M-I-S-T-A-D-S-A-G-R-A-D-A.com. It's a little bit outdated and it needs a, since uh, COVID has happened, we've gone through a lot of changes. And so over the months ahead, we'll be updating that, but there's a lot there. And, and my fa my Facebook profile really has the most current, uh, you know, posts and information as well. And maybe, link yeah. Great. And <clears throat> we'll also, a donation link and to your we'll also put a donation link to Amistad Sagrada how can people donate is it just by PayPal or bank transfer or we have we have PayPal and we have a give send go account mm -hmm. which is kind of similar to GoFundMe or something like that and mm -hmm. so those would be the two best ways Great. I also want to encourage people who watch who might think they would like to don donate something but maybe don't have much resources themselves right now. Just donate five dollars or donate even one dollar. It feels so good. You know, no, even if to donate just one dollar, but just to get into this attitude of giving. And I'm really happy and grateful that we can support you today, at least in this work as well. And I look really forward to visit you again in PSAC Simon. Thank you very much for all the work that you're doing and for you know, holding the, the flame <laughs> of following your heart and being in, being of service and supporting the ancient indigenous culture of the Andes and by being so contributing to the building of this new world that you're all feeling, envisioning and building together. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stefan. I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>